a look at skill positions and finding Mr. Right. Tell you all about it here on Locked on Jaguars. You are Locked on Jaguars, your daily Jacksonville Jaguars podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for joining me. Tony Wiggins here on Locked On Jaguars. I got my microphone working. What's going on, good people? Just want to discuss some things with you today. We'd like to welcome you to the Locked On Jaguars Daily Podcast, where it's your team every day. And we thank you for making us your first listen. Shout out to the everydayers for tuning in to Locked On Jaguars. Make sure you go tap in on the YouTube page where you can subscribe for free. That's right. And wherever you get your audio podcast, make sure you check in every day to catch every single episode. What's happening? What is happening? lot going on today, press conference with uh, the brass of the Jacksonville Jaguars. In case y'all looking on YouTube, that is not crumbs on my face. That's just a piece of a gray hair that keeps coming up, and I get tired of cutting it. But anyway, I want y'all to think your boy sitting here trifling and drinking milk and all that stuff and not cleaning my face off. But in any event, we're going to talk about the skill position players. As I promised uh, yesterday, we looked at the defenders, the defense, one by one to see and measure, see where it measures up in terms of being a championship defense as opposed to just being adequate or good enough we're going to go through the offense and this should be a lot more fun for those that love to do that we're going to break down these offensive linemen too and we're going to you know we're not going to sit here and point stuff out without trying to find solutions right i'm not gonna harp on the fact that they let Jawan taylor go and i didn't want i didn't want him to let him go we're gonna hop on that i'm also going to talk about a certain player who might be mr right you heard me mr right for the Jacksonville Jaguars because they need a super talented player that has questions to slide back to them that they feel like they can handle anything that comes with drafting that player. And I think I have an idea who that is. And then finally, what we'll do, we'll put a little bow on and tell you what happened today at the press conference, a little bit of speculation about something, just some things that they said that caught my, my ear. I was going to say it caught my eye, uh, caught my ear and we'll discuss that, but let's get to the top of it right now and just start going through these skill positions uh, there may be 99 problems, but the quarterback ain't one here, and I don't think they have 99 problems. Uh, starting with the quarterback, we all know uh, everybody's in uh, Trevor Love Fest zone, as they should be, and if you're not, I think something is absolutely wrong with you because Trevor Lawrence, in my opinion, is the man, and he is just that good. It's nothing to worry about, at least for the next 12 to 15 years. The Jaguars are in really, really good shape when it comes to quarterbacks so we're happy about that the other thing is i would like to make sure and ensure that the jaguars actually have a really good backup right and the only reason is and that's not because i think the i word is going to affect trevor but getting a little nicked up a little bit here and there and and getting a little banged up and sometimes you got to get through a one and a half or two game stretch remember Last year against the Chiefs, the Jaguars knocked out um, Patrick Mahomes for a minute. Well, their old veteran, a former Jaguar, Chad Henney, stepped up and let him on a scoring drive. You have to be able to have either the talent or the veteran savvy to get your team through those little critical moments. And, and the Chiefs were able to do that with the dude that I thought the Jaguars should have ran out of here but way before they did. So that goes to let you know how much. 
are they prepared? That's the only thing I have about this team. Are they prepared to have a guy who can give them a game or a half in a tough game and can come in and be ready to play right in the middle of everything? That's 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 a luxury at this point because everything starts and stops with your starter, obviously. Let's go to the running backs. Love me some Travis Etienne. But I do know this is the team that loves to use multiple running backs, as you saw last year with Jermichael Hasty. And if you've been paying attention to Doug Peterson, you've noticed that uh, throughout his career. If you pay attention to Kansas City, and I always mention the Chiefs because Doug Peterson is an Andy Reid disciple, and he's sort of running that same thing, and you can tell the influence. In fact, the Chiefs scored two touchdowns in the Super Bowl that they saw Doug Peterson a play, with a play that they saw Doug Peterson do on tape. So um, – I always sit here and wonder, you know, like, do we have enough? I do think with Johnson that they signed in free agency, as well as bringing back Jermichael Hasty, that the situation is a lot better than it was last year. They still have Snoop Connor too. I, I, I'm not as high on him as uh, I would like to be, but it doesn't mean that he doesn't uh, have a spot or deserve to, to, you know, to be counted on uh, to help this football team. But, I'm more or less interested in, in the other the other two guys that they have right now, and then interested to see they brought in Tajay Spears as a top thirty, uh, well, one of the thirty people that they looked at in the offseason. I won't necessarily sit here and tell you that I believe because of that they're going to draft a running back, but I do believe that, that they were intrigued enough to take a look at uh, at uh, a player who could add a lot, especially a lot of home run stuff. He kind of gives you a poor man's. Uh, a poor man's version of what you already have in Travis Etienne. And I know people will like different things. And I said that I like different things about the wide receiver room, but sometimes, sometimes I also like to know that you can get the same thing or a little bit of the same thing, even when your starter sits out for a few minutes, I do want to know, and nobody ever answered the question. It's probably too late to go back. Why Travis Etienne was not in the game late last year in some critical situations. It's just too late to ask the question now. Uh, but we'll notice it. We'll see this year whether or not that was an isolated situation or if they continue to take him out at critical times. Is he not that dude? And it's not that the rotation system isn't something that I understand, but it is something that makes you wonder, Doug, when they I want players that are so good you can't take them off the field, especially in critical situations. So we'll take a look at that. All right, coming up, what we're going to do is we're going to look at the receivers, the tight ends, let you know what the team said about those two spots. And then the offensive line and do a little spotlight on Darnell Wright, uh, Mr. Wright, as I'm calling him. Can Darnell be the one for the Jaguars? And then in segment three, we're going to take a look at or listen to an overall, an overall paraphrasing, if you will, of what happened in the press conference today. We'll do all of that in just a second here on we're Locked on Jaguars. You know who we are. We are Locked on Jaguars. That's right. I got to first tell you about our sponsor today, which is Built Bar. Man, I've been telling y'all for a long time about the best, the absolute best protein bar that's on the market. Something exciting is coming from Built.com on April 22nd. That's two days from now. I don't have all the details yet, but the excitement is real and it's something you don't want to miss. What that is, if you know how Built works, they have the most incredible protein bars in the world, and they do these amazing flavor drops with unreal flavors in limited quantity. So mark your calendar just to head to Built.com on Saturday, April 22nd to be one of the first to discover what all the hype is about. I can't wait to see this new what this new flavor is. Man, I'm too, too excited. I can't even talk correctly. 
Make sure to use promo code locked on 15. That's locked on 15, and you'll get 15% off your order. That's right. Built.com. All this goodness happens on April 22nd. Make sure you tap in. I rolling along here on Locked On Jaguars on segment two. We're gonna go keep going through the skill positions. And we're just as a reminder, all my everydayers know this, but if you're new, you can be an everyday or starting tomorrow. But what I'm doing is going through and looking at these positions, and I'm not trying to figure out if they're adequate. I'm not trying to figure out if they're okay. I'm not trying to figure out if they're good enough for them to win the division. I'm trying to figure out are they seriously good enough to be on a championship level? And I'm doing it piece by piece. So the answer with quarterback is yes. The answer is running back is pretty much wide receiver. Yeah, they're good because I think Calvin Ridley is the real deal. Dude stood up in front of everybody and said, I'm a 1,400-yard receiver with a broken foot. What you think I'm going to do with two healthy ones, basically? I totally agree with him. I like his confidence. I like the way – I like his approach. Uh, I love the fact that when people asked him what he liked about Jacksonville, he interrupted him and said, Trevor, Trevor, Trevor Lawrence. And that sentiment is echoed by most people here in this city that watched. It was that way when they drafted him, but then it really got that way after – Trevor got a real coach in here that, that let him loose. And after those comebacks and after the way he played against stellar competition, it seems like he has his best games when he's playing against another quarterback that everyone says is better than him. And I love the fact that he has that chip on his shoulder, but the wide receivers are versatile. There's definitely speed. I believe there's more team speed at that position than they've ever had. And I know, I know what y'all going to say. You were telling me about Jimmy Keenan and I was winning the, I think there's a better collection of team speed than they ever had, where they have guys who are fast that also know how to run routes and also are very, very good after the catch. I did not say that anybody on this team was faster than Jimmy Smith. No, did not say that. So moving to the tight ends, a little bit, a peek ahead to segment three. They said today that they love the tight end room. They said last year that they love their tight end room. Um, I don't like the depth of the tight end room. The fact that they have Evan Ingram under uh, a franchise tag, I ain't talking about cap ramifications. I'm talking about pure talent. I like Evan Ingram as a pure talent. I think guys like him, and I think when you start rating tight ends, you have to have more than one category. Kind of you do, kind of the way you have to do with defensive linemen, interior and outside, right? So you have the uh, the Evan Ingram types, which is basically a big wide receiver, versus the big road graders. And then there's another one that's a combination of both. And that's guys like Gronk. Those are guys that do everything really, really well. Evan Ingram for what he does is probably top six, top seven in the league at that move tight end position. And for what they want him to do. Um, that I don't know if he signed. I don't think he signed his franchise tender yet. And he can't be here right now, but I don't think they have a problem with him per se, because he knows what this is and he knows what it's about. And when he is allowed to come in here, whether he signs or not, he's going to be fine in terms of that and getting everybody up to speed. I don't know if he's worth franchising, franchise tagging because this year is really, really deep. This is a really deep year for tight ends. Uh, but, uh, yeah, they like their tight end room. We'll just have to see the way it works out. They got one one more player, kid that's been on the roster. Uh, for This will be his third year out of Ohio State. Pretty good player, solid. I think he's one of those guys they hope that they can uh, – really really hit the mark on when it comes to 
his development, and I think he'll be fine. Don't be surprised if they still add someone uh, or if they go out in that vet free agent market and get those minimum guys to come in. Don't be surprised if they do that, especially since this roster doesn't have a tight end. So they're going to need one of those types to, to really be there for them in certain situations, goal line situations, short yardage, or when the other team just needs to get bust in the mouth for a little bit to run some clock and have game management. Um, now let's get to the offensive line, the offensive line championship level no uh, they were close to it a year ago then they got the cam robinson injury and then of course juan taylor who started the other side isn't isn't back uh, they had ben barch hurt last year according to today's press conference ben barch probably or might not be ready for training camp and here's the weird thing someone said that cam robinson would be ready health-wise so that's physical so is it mental? Is it psychological? Is it just trying to make sure that he's back all the way because he come off of an injury? Or is there something else? And I don't want to speculate, but when you say he'll be ready health-wise, but it sounds like you're saying physically he'll be fine, but he might not be playing. I don't know what that is, but whatever that is, and even if they, even if that is something that happened after they let Jawan Taylor go, I'm not going to peacock, but this, this is just why you don't do that. This is why when you have a 25-year-old dude in the house that's never missed a game, and you got another guy who's missed a bunch of games, and then you got another kid who hasn't played a whole bunch, and he missed two years in college. This is why I, I, don't, I don't like that. But it's also why I think I'm going to highlight some tackles in the draft because they said today that they're comfortable at 24 with three people, and they believe one of them is going to be there. When you say that, it almost tells me that it almost tells me that, that you're targeting three people. And I kind of wonder what happens. You say you're comfortable, they're going to be there. You don't know what everybody else is going to do. Somebody else might like all three of those guys, and then teams behind you could jump ahead of you, right? It, I'm, it scares me. And I want to know from you does it scare you? Just a little bit. Does it give you a little bit of trepidation about this whole process? Like, even if you felt great coming, you know, wanting to not sign a bunch of free agents, getting 21 out of 22 starters back, keeping your locker room, keeping your guys. Is there anything you heard today that, that gives you trepidation or makes you give a side eye to this entire situation? Not, not panic, but just concern. And that's normal if you have some concern without having panic. All right. We're going to talk about. Darnell Wright, do a little bit more spotlight on him and then uh, give you some ins and outs of what we heard today. I already gave you a little bit of it. We'll do it in just a second here on Locked on Jaguar. Moving right along, running right through it. Locked on Jaguars here, your daily Jacksonville Jaguars podcast, where it's your team every day. We thank you for making us your first listen. Make your second listen what's coming ahead. And what's coming ahead is we're going to really, really, really take a deep dive into what our actual expectations are. And then by this time, everyone will already know in our uh, mock draft, I moved up and I picked Lucas Van Ness. I went from 24 to 15. Yes, it is true. I did trade. I sent Josh Allen as a part of the deal. There was some more stuff behind it that everyone in here will understand when I break it down to you. It 
it's going to make it worthwhile to you. Trust me. When I tell you I didn't give up a second round pick and I didn't give up next year's first. And in fact, I ended up with an additional second round pick. So I'll let you know the actual details of how I moved around and maneuvered and what my thinking was. And it was what would I do? It's not what would they do? Now, let me explain the Lucas Van Ness selection in that mock draft to me. It's because I expect a base four-man front. If a team doesn't re-sign a 25-year-old tackle who's never missed a game, when they're still a little unsure about their offensive line, unsure enough to the point where I think that's one of the positions they'll be targeting this year, then what's to say that they get a pass rush on the 50-year option that they haven't thrown money at him already? And there's some question of whether or not he'll be here beyond next year. And it's about all about draft and retain. How much money is he going to want? Are they going to take another look-see? Or are they just going to get the production this year at a $10 million rate, which is where he is right now because of the uh, the fifth-year option, and then use the production and then say, okay, see you later, and then wait on a compensatory pick? That could be something that they're doing as well. They could be doing that as well as – um, sitting here and wondering if if it presents if something presents itself, could we move up and grab another guy? I would have Van Ness playing big end with Trayvon at right end over the left tackle in a permanent position. Then um, on passing downs, you can mix it, match it, and use it how you want, and have all of those guys lined up all over the place looking more like 2017 than they did last year with guys standing up and dropping back in the cover. So just to explain, I ain't trying to uh, over explain the pick. I'm not trying to copy any, please. I know what I did. I know why I did it. And uh, anybody that don't like it, I don't care. But at that time, that's what would we do, right? You get Lucas Van Ness for five years. I will admit, and, and my boy uh, Holmes pointed this out, it's a little redundant. Like he's athletic, Trayvon's athletic, they're not the same, but they do kind of rely on some of the same stuff, which is potential, long-term power, and you don't necessarily have that really fast guy. But remember what I told you about what I would do in the draft. Just wait and you'll see. Mainly what I do is I look into the secondary market to go out and get a veteran who offers some of those same traits. But a lot of those quick twitchy guys that you talk about are not people that the traits folks are going to decide that that's who and what they want to do. So it's almost like what would we do based on what I could make sense of them doing based on what they said, all right? So that's what it is. What would I have done based on what they do? I like Darnell Wright. I really do. I, you know, there's a lot of talk. I always said that if they sit at 24, they, if they want a really, really talented guy, it's going to have to be somebody that comes back. To be honest, I was actually looking forward to uh, Jalen Carter doing a serious free fall, and I would have made that trade up to get Jalen Carter, to be honest with you. I'm, I'm dead true. Uh, I think the Jaguars have the infrastructure to make sure that Jalen Carter stays on his feet. I think that they are one of those teams. One thing, Doug Peterson he he's the type of dude you have reverence for. And what I mean by reference is you don't want to disappoint him out of fear. You fear him, but the fear is that you're going to disappoint him as opposed to the fears you're going to get cut and be pumping gas. Like 
somebody told them that would happen, which is ridiculous. Uh, because you got to know NFL players know better than that. There's dudes, if you cut, they'll be working tomorrow. And they already got a lot of money that's guaranteed. So uh, tell them they're going to be pumping gas or whatever is the joke. Um, but that's what the thinking is. But Darnell Wright would fall in line with another guy that if there's questions about a prospect, and there have been questions about his work ethic and whether he's not going to want to be great, but he's super talented. If a dude like that falls to 24, you take him. Because you plan him at right guard. And then you tell Cam Robinson if he's available during training camp because he'll be there physically. But when you say stuff like that, it makes me think something else is going on. Or you put Walker Little out there and just say, go for it, right? I think you'll be fine. At the very least, that dude will turn out to be a great guard. Watch out also for Osiris Torrance. But since I had already talked about Osiris, I'm basically telling you right now, Darnell could possibly be Mr. Wright. Some other things to take away from today. Love the locker room. Uh, I asked Demetrius Harvey since I wasn't able to attend. I asked Demetrius Harvey, did they look confident? He told me they kind of looked busy. It looked like they were ready for this process to go. But the fact that the Jaguars say they got their eyes on three people and they had 137 people on their board. They may draft someone that's not on that board, but these are the people that they're focused on that they think culture-wise and talent-wise they can add to the football team. I'd love to be a fly on that wall to see what that board looks like. This is where I told you everybody knows the talent of everyone, but then you go and pick your guys, the guys that you have to have. The trade-out scenario, I actually had a trade-out scenario in our mock where I wanted to go backwards and see if I could get in that sweet spot to see if I could get three picks between 30 and 58 because I think there's not that big disparity in talent between 30 and 58 depending on how the board goes. I shied away from being a, a, a basic uh, – a robot and stuck to what's going to fall for me. I think that's a, a recipe for disaster because something might not fall to you. I'd rather just make sure I target and get into an area where I know, okay, I'm here. There's 30 guys I like in this spot with this amount of talent. I want three swings at it. So we'll see if their philosophy of sitting there at 24 works for them. If they get, they'll never, I bet you they'll never tell you if they got one of those three guys but they have 137 guys they look at. They really fit the profile of people that they want to bring here. Um, I'm going to talk about Brian Branch, too, on tomorrow's episode a little bit. I'm going to tell you why I'm not as high on him. I like him, but not as much as everyone else. People that I trust, guys like Ryan Clark, they swear by him, and that's cool. My buddy Peter Bukowski says he'd rather take a chance on Chris Smith from Georgia in the fourth round than draft Brian Branch in the first round. I kind of agree with him a little bit, right? I probably wouldn't take Chris Smith. I'd probably end up with Sidney Brown, who I think can play in the slot. So uh, we'll discuss all of that. All right, make sure you tune in to Locked on Jaguars every single day. It's your team every day. It makes your second listen to the show that I just described that I'm going to talk to you about tomorrow. Until then, we'll see you next time here on Locked on Jaguars.